The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Benched with Bubba. This is episode 21, another baseball-heavy edition as we like it around here. And tonight, I am joined by a special guest, Mr. David Kerr. You can find him on Twitter, Ask Roto Baseball. Also, writes for Fantasy Alarm. David, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great, Bubba. How uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Uh, it's a pleasure having you on here. Just kind of uh, just met recently, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. A lot of heard a lot of good things about you. Looking forward to getting to know you more after this and uh, getting your baseball knowledge. Always nice to have another baseball mind to talk with. So really looking forward to tonight. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I am. I am as well. Um, I really enjoy podcasting. It's been a while since I've done one, but um, hopefully this will be the start of uh, of something something new going forward. And I'm definitely looking forward to the beginning of the uh, baseball season, especially the fantasy baseball season, as I like to think of it as my bread and butter when it comes to fantasy sports. So um, I'm ready to get going. Yeah, and tonight's episode, um, kind of last my last episode, we did a little Boston talk, a little Red Sox fantasy twist. Tonight's can kind of be a little Pirates fantasy baseball twist, and we'll do some strategy later. It'll be a trend you're going to see in the next few episodes. So tonight with uh, David, we're going to kick it right off. Uh, Pirates talk last year, third place in the Central, a little disappointment. McCutcheon underperformed. Garrett Cole, kind of, you know, injuries underperformed. Little, Yeah, underperformed might be the word. But when you had the Cubs in your division, it's tough to, to compete with that. Um, a bunch of veterans didn't do a lot to replace them this offseason besides just what's in-house. How would you kind of rate their offseason from a fan's perspective on what they did to rebuild? Well, I, I like to start things off with a bang, so I may as well start off with a rant. How about that? There you go. Um, the, the, the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, have – have been a much better organization over the last five years uh, at the major league level. There were things going on in the minor leagues prior to that, which, which set the tone for the major league success that they've had in the past couple of years. But it seemed like last year they finished the season with a losing record. And obviously it was going to, it was going to be tough to overtake the Cubs, the Cubs, excuse me, the Cubs in the NL central, uh, given how, great they are. Uh, so I wasn't expecting um, a uh, division win or honestly not even a wild card spot. You know, may, Maybe the wild card game, uh, but 
maybe just squeaking into that game. Well, they didn't get either uh, a division win or a wild card spot, and they finished with a losing record. So what does Pirates management turn around and do? Uh, in the offseason, you'd think that they would want to improve the team. Well, instead they did absolutely nothing. Uh, they sat still and uh, alienated their uh star player and face of the franchise in Andrew McCutcheon, which certainly doesn't help matters whatsoever. Uh, but uh, they they lost, I mean, they didn't lose big names. Naftali Feliz, he's gone. Matt Joyce, Jeff Locke, Sean Rodriguez, and Ryan Vogelsong were their biggest losses. So it's not like they lost a whole lot. But the only um, things that they, they, they did to improve the team uh, would be Resigning uh, Ivan Nova, uh, Ivan Nova, and signing Daniel Hudson, who will pitch out of the bullpen most likely. Um, as far as a team grade goes, I mean, I could be generous and give them a C minus because they did. Uh, they they made a, they signed Nova, I guess, to uh, be like their thir- third or fourth starter, but um, probably like a D plus because I mean they didn't. I mean they didn't make any splash whatsoever. Uh, we can talk about. Uh, position players here in a bit, but um, when I discuss the Pirates with, um, and I live in the Pittsburgh area, uh, so when I discuss the Pirates with people around here, uh, I, I like to point at the Cleveland Indians because the Pirates haven't had a star first baseman uh, since Willie Stargell, practically. I mean, seriously, they've had a ton of guys that have just been blah, you know, uh, the Cleveland Indians went to the World Series last year, same size market, um, only they're committed to winning, uh, <laughs> which I don't think the Pirates are. We can talk about why in a second. But um, the 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 Indians went out and signed Edwin Encarnacion. Same type of market. Pirates would never even dream of making a free agent signing like that. And wouldn't it be the right move for a team like Pittsburgh? I would say, you know, probably because – they, they, they don't have a power hitting first baseman and, you know, John Jaso isn't going to cut it. And, and Josh Bell, who we will talk about in a bit, isn't a guy that is likely to produce uh, big time power numbers. He's going to produce in other ways, but not with a power number. So um, to rep, to, 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 to get this all back together now, um, I wasn't impressed with their off season at all. And, um, it's basically they're headed into the 2017 campaign with the same team as last year. Um, minus a few, you know, tweaks or minus a few players that, that are no longer with the team. And, uh, they're just hoping for rebounds and, uh, and guys to stay healthy for the full season. So, um, not overly impressed in any way, uh, with their off season. Yeah, that's kind of the way I was uh, looking at it. And I wanted to hear your perspective because, like, I live close to the Bay Area. I've been a lifelong Giants fan, and we take things um, pretty pretty diehard here. And I know every fan base has their diehard nature. And um, I've been kind of adamant in years past how things have been handled in our backyard So um, when they didn't do things. And um, I, when I went and put this, this outline together, I started looking at the pieces and – the, the depth charts, I'm looking at it going, wow, that um, that's the same piece. And, well, that's just a backup from last year I put over here. And then I'm looking at it going, wow, this is not um, what I was expecting to see when you're trying to compete with the Cardinals and the Cubs. Um, and basically everything I'm reading, like you just said, is they're just looking for bounce backs. And we'll get into that because we're, what we're going to come up to next is we're going to break down 
the main fantasy players that you might be looking to draft from the Pirates coming up here. And we're going to start out with the main piece. And you mentioned his name, and I want to get into him because this is the the most on a non-fantasy perspective first is Andrew McCutcheon. He came out recently with his Players Tribune piece, which I thought was phenomenal. Um, everything about this guy from an outsider's perspective has always been top-notch to me. Maybe there's stuff I don't know about from an outsider's perspective, but he always seems like a class act. He's always been a really good ball player. He had a down year last year. That happens. It's He's a, he's a, he's a human being. Um, I uh, They drug him through the mud this offseason when your name is basically in every trade rumor known to man. Basically, they don't want you around because they have a prospect in Meadows who we will talk about that they want to replace you with. Um, and then all of a sudden, they're going to put you in right field without talking to you when you're the franchise. There's a lot of things that they basically are telling you they don't care about you much anymore. So to come out with this article, and it's yet, I, I will link it to the podcast article. I, I highly recommend reading it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's straight from his mouth. What I want to know from you, David, um, in the Pittsburgh area, how is this all going over there? Like, what's all being said from, like, the fan base about how he's being treated? Are the fans all on Andrew's side? Are some people actually seeing it from the franchise's side? I'm guessing the fans are seeing it from Andrew's side, but I want to hear what you have to say. Oh, the, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the vast majority of the fan base um, is sided with McCutcheon. I mean, I would say probably 90 to 95% because the, the reason for that is not only because it's Andrew McCutcheon. I mean, he is the face of the franchise. He's the best player we've had in Pittsburgh since Barry Bonds. Um, and and um, the, the reasoning is because upper management is so hated in this area. And it's not it's not their GM, uh, Neil Huntington. I mean, he, he's been a good GM for them and, uh, he, he has worked well within the, the parameters, uh, provided by upper management and by upper management, I mean, their owner, uh, Bob Nutting, who is a, um, for lack of a better term, he's a colossal prick. Uh, he, he is a guy that is going to make a profit without question, but he couldn't care less about a, uh, a winning uh, baseball team. As long as people are coming to the stadium on Friday nights and Saturday nights and packing it, and and then on Sunday afternoons, um, the rest of it is is just icing on the cake. And I and I truly mean that. I mean, obviously he he would probably he probably wants to win, but he doesn't care. And no one could could point me uh in in a different direction there's franchises out there they want to win i mean i just i mentioned them earlier you know the cleveland indians they want to win they're all in they went out and made um a a big time free agent signing this year and and could encarnacion put them over the top i mean there's a good chance i mean that they could be right back in the world series next year Uh, there's franchises that want to win so as far as um as far as that goes, I mean, the Pirates have management has egg all, all over their face. Um, it, it had been rumored that, that McCutcheon was going to get traded to uh, the Nationals, and then there was like a three-way deal possibly with the White Sox. And then 
it ended up that nothing happened. I mean, it just doesn't look good for the franchise. It do, it doesn't show. It shows a lack of respect for the franchise player, which is a is a real issue. And you know, he writes this or he wrote this article for the the Players Tribune. And I mean, I hate. I, I think the word class is overused, especially in uh, in the sports world. But I mean, it just shows how much class Andrew Andrew McCutcheon has um, as a as a baseball player and as a human being, I mean, um, he doesn't want to play right field, but he's going to do it and he's not going to complain about it. I mean, at least, at least not where the fan base can see. So, um, I side with McCutcheon a hundred percent. I mean, yeah, he doesn't really deserve this kind of treatment. And I think, um, I, I think also that, uh, to say he is, uh, in a free fall, uh, as far as his, production at the plate goes i think that's just crazy he had a bad year he was dealing with some injuries um and i think you're going to see a guy that is uh laser focused this year uh, whenever whenever the 2017 season begins yeah sacks part what's so great about his article coming out is you know he's been in the league now for eight years so that i guess you can categorize him as a veteran now um so he basically, by writing this article, even the part where he writes, um, we talked out the right field thing, and I realized that there is a more athletic, talented outfielder in Starling Martin. He made a point to praise the guy replacing him. He makes all these things in there to say things, to get out in front of the media that could just firestorm this whole thing. He, everything he did in this article, he basically fell on the sword for the screw-ups the franchise made just for the team season now and he'll deal with the team later on in their own time basically and that's that shows you a lot about this man which is pretty darn that's why i said people need to read this article it's impressive that he came out and wrote this before people could run with this whole thing oh and, absolutely I it, I it was i i read it as soon as it, it was posted i saw yeah. when i saw it came out he's i mean just looking at facebook posts and twitter posts from people that um uh, are from the area that are baseball fans, not even people within the fantasy industry, just just regular old fans. Um, Kutch has a has a has a deep uh, loyal fan base uh, personally, and you know if if they let him walk at the end of the year, they trade him at midseason. I mean, the, everybody in this area is going to uh, is going to be upset. But I mean, I mean, I understand baseball is a business, and yeah. you know, you've you may have his best years out of him already. I mean, I just can't see Pittsburgh re-signing him. But stranger things have happened. They may you may see prior to the start of the season they sign him to an extension. Who knows? He he says he wants to stay in yeah. Pittsburgh. It, it could happen. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but uh, we yeah. shall see. Maybe he likes Pittsburgh enough. He starts realizing, hey, I'll stick around and I'll take a little deal. Who knows? Back. In uh, I think. I think what if they win? If if they're if they're contending around the All Star break, that's the conundrum the the Pirates are in. Um, if if they're if they're if they are um, competing at the All Star break within um, in a playoff in a playoff spot or very close to it, it's going to be hard to trade him. Um, at that time, so and and that's the hope, obviously, uh, at least for Pirates fans, is that they're going to be competing. So we'll see what happens uh, as the season rolls along. Okay. Now let's move to kind of the fantasy twist of this. We kept saying he had a down year and I'm looking at his numbers right now. Okay. His average is down. We're used to hitting 290, 300. He had 256, but his homers, 24 homers. He's been a 20 to 25 guy. Um, his runs, he's been about a 90 to hundred run guy. He was 81. So he's 10 off, 
His RBIs were down a little bit. So all in all, RBIs and batting average struggled. But in the grand scheme of things, he didn't, I guess, struggle a ton. But, yeah, for cut standards, it's a disappointment where you had to draft him was a disappointment. Um, what are we looking for this year? Because if you read that article, you would expect big, big things. And you're going to get him at a discount now this year. What are you thinking, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, this year? Well, I think I think he's going to go back right back to numbers um, prior to 2016. If you take a look at his numbers from last year, he really struggled during the middle of the season. Uh, June and July, um, <coughs> June and July, he struck out 55 times and only walked 12 times in those two months. Uh, fast forward to September, and he struck out 19 times and walked 17 times. In fact, in August, he struck out 17 times and walked 17 times. So he got that he, – he was his plate discipline was much better. And obviously, he hit much better t- uh, as well, 280 in August, 287 in September. And um, and, and he, he was just – he was locked in at the plate in, in September especially. He, he did really well in September. So uh, down the stretch, that, that's certainly encouraging. Um that that he was able to finish the season strong. It was just he he started off the season uh, in a slump, did decent in May, but it was June and July that really that really tanked his overall numbers. Uh, I expect him to um, get back to to um, to catch like numbers. Um, I think he I think th- there's a very good chance he's going to hit 300 this year, um, and and I don't see. I mean, he's hit over. 20 home runs uh, in every year since 2011. So I think I mean he's a lock for 20 to 25 home runs easily. The steals, as far as fantasy goes, since if, if we're talking standard five by five leagues, um, the the concern I guess is the speed, which we've seen fallen for or we've seen his speed fall for four straight seasons, and last year. Excuse me. Last year, he only stole six bases, and he was caught stealing seven times. So his percentage was actually under fifty percent, which is just horrible. Uh, which makes me wonder whether he is going to—he's uh, going to have the green light on the base pass. We, we'll see. We, we may even see early on, um, you know, whether he he makes uh, stolen base attempts, uh, you know, early on in the season, which I suspect he will. If he gets on base at a, you know, 370 or higher clip, I think if he's on base, he's going to run more. So I expect him to get maybe back in the 15 range in steals and uh, and hit 25 home runs and probably bat, you know, 290 to 310, which uh, which it seems reasonable given his career numbers. I'm I'm I'm, and I think he's very motivated, which is which is another key factor. I think he's very motivated this year. So um, I expect a solid bounce back. And I mean, you can it looks. Based on some uh, ADP and, and some mock drafts, and um, especially check out the mock drafts at fantasyalarm.com. Howard Bender does a, a really good job. Um, but uh, I think you can get them in the fourth round in, in many drafts. So that's something to, to think about. And it, you may, if he does well in spring training, you may even see that number uh, raise, his ADP raise a little bit. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to have a solid season this year. Yeah, I definitely see the average coming back up, which will definitely lead to on base, like you're saying. You said the plate discipline in the second half, which will lead to the on base as well, which obviously if you're on base, you're going to score more runs, which makes more sense you'd imagine. So I think he will run more because, as you said, the first half of the season, and he was banged up a lot. So he's not going to run as much when he's banged up. That's just That's just common sense most of the time with these players, especially as they age. Um, 
The only thing I'm wondering if these speedsters are put in front of him now, if they're going to run him as much, but I think if they're contending, he'll be running. So that'd be another factor. Like you're saying um, the cliche thing we could always look at if you want to be cliche and not even look into, you know, stats, it's a, it's a contract year. Um, so you, you could, you could play that game. Yeah. And, and that tie, the contract year thing ties right into um, his motivation as far as yeah. the trade rumors. And he's still, I mean, there's, we're still dealing with trade room with trade rumors. If the pirates stink out the gate uh, and go, you know, and only win like 10 games in April and, and have a mediocre may, I mean, the Cubs could be up on them. The the Cubs could be leading the, the NL Central by 15 games at the start of June. It's not even uh, even that crazy to think about because I mean they're just that much better than than probably everybody, but especially in the NL Central. I mean, the Cubs are the team to beat. So, um, you know, if they're out of it, they're probably going to move Kutch. And, and I mean, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I don't. Um, I mean, I can't say I want that to happen, but. Um, the, the pirates are notorious for holding on to guys too long and not getting peak value for them. I mean, if they're going to, if you're going to move them, if, if that's what ultimately your plan is, you may as well get uh, top value for them. So, and, and I think that that time has passed. So we'll see because here's the thing. If the pirates win, are, are winning at the mid season point, that's going to ha- hinge a lot on McCutcheon. If McCutcheon, they're not going to be, they're not going to be contending if he's playing poorly, period. So True. it kind of goes hand in hand. I mean, you know, if, if they were to uh, uh, contend, it would be – he would be a big reason why. Yeah, no, very true. And, um, yeah, so I I, I, can, I can see that. I can definitely see that. And um, for your sake and for the rest of the Pirates fans' sake, let's hope he sticks the season out there. That means <laughs> they're contending. But yeah. um, let's move on to the, to the gentleman that is – removing him from center field, not by his choice, obviously, but by franchise choice. Starling Marte, the uh, Marte, sorry, the youngster, speedster, had a big year, 311 at the dish, uh, stealing 47 bases, but his power numbers went down after 2015's 19 home run season. Only hit nine homers, only drove in 46, but he scored 70. I believe he was hitting leadoff, I believe, last year. Uh, all-star game, gold glover, the works. Um He's going to be leading. I'd expect the, the stolen bases to be high again. The average, I'm not sold on, but he's been a 280 to 290 hitter, so 300 is realistic, I guess, on base. Um, what are you thinking from Starling Marte? Biggest question I have is, can he get back to maybe a 15 homer guy to go with the stolen bases? Yeah, I think that, I think you're going to see that. I mean, he would only need uh, six more from this past season, six more homers from this past season. And, uh, you know, I think if he would have played in 150 games, he may, he may have reached that number. He probably would have probably split the difference. He probably would have at least reached 12 home runs last year. But I do think, I think you'll see a dip in steals maybe to around the 40 to 43 mark. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, an increase in home runs maybe to uh, 14 or 15 this year. Uh, along with you know uh, a two ninety five to three hundred average uh, seems plausible for him. He's a guy. He, he he's a guy that 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 has never been a, a big a walk guy. He doesn't draw many walks, um, but he he did cut his strikeouts down last year uh, a bit, and that had partly had to do with him playing fewer games. But it wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't crazy. He only played, I think, 23 less games than he did uh, the prior season. So 
Um, you're, you're probably going to see him strike out around 115 times, which is which is about normal. But what we want to see from him is that continued high average uh, and an increase in power because the stolen bases are going to be there. He has the green light on the base paths. As far as uh, what he's going to do in the field, um, they moved in the center field because he's an excellent fielder. He's he's the two-time Gold Glove winner back to back, 2015, 2016. Um, more than likely, likely will probably win another one this season. Um, and he is a, he's a better center. He's a better fielder than Andrew McCutcheon. Um, and and even though McCutcheon doesn't want to move, and but he has to obviously. Um, it's probably still the the best move for uh, for the Pirates. Um, you know, for for the team uh, from a defensive perspective. So uh, I'm okay with that move, even if. Uh, hurts Kutch's feelings a little bit, but uh, he'll get over it. That's that's not a big deal. Yeah, definitely. Um, right now, he's the um, top outfielder of the trio going on Fantasy Pro's average draft positions through the three sites. They, they average right now. Marte's the seventh outfielder off the board, 22nd overall. You got Kutch at 19th outfielder, 59th overall. And the guy we're going to move to next, a big guy. I'm, I I really, really like this guy. I almost put him in our breakout spot, but I felt bad because he was one of my breakout guys last year. Uh, Gregory Polanco, he uh, currently is the 20th outfielder right behind McCutcheon, 67th overall. Um, definitely did what I was hoping he would do last year. The power showed up, double started turning into home runs, as I was hoping. He uh, upped it to uh, 22 homers last year, 9 to 20, 22. Didn't expect that big of a jump, but um, so I don't know if he's going to be able to do too much more. I'm hoping the average kind of goes up a little bit, but I'm kind of thinking he might be there. Uh, I like this kid a lot. Uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking 2020 type guy, maybe about 270 if the average can get up. Um, what are we thinking with uh, Polanco? Can we get even 30-30 out of him? Well, let me touch. Let me say one more thing about Marte. You mentioned the consensus ranking at Fantasy Pros, which I do have rankings there. Mine aren't compiled uh, completely yet, but I'm going to publish them probably within the next week. Um, just just to throw that out there. But the reason Marte is ranked so high there is is due to the stolen bases because steals are at a premium right now. Let's um, you know all over baseball, especially you know in, of course in fantasy, because you know it's a it's one of the five main categories. So, uh, and he's a lock to, uh, to steal, you know, he's a lock to steal 35 bags, but he's, he's probably more of a lock to steal 40 bags whenever it's all said and done. As far as Polanco goes, uh, the three outfielders, um, uh, for Pittsburgh and they have one of the, obviously have one of the best outfields in baseball, uh, long-term he's my favorite. Um, he's, he's been my favorite probably for about two years now, actually. Um, because I see, much like you mentioned, I see a, a, a ton of potential in this guy, um, it, it, just all over the board, in the field, um, at the plate. His average, when you break things down here a little bit, his average on the last two seasons hovered in the mid to, mid to high 250s, um, and he didn't show uh, any much growth at all. Um, in the strikeout or walk department, um, his numbers were almost identical. Um, with his strikeout and walk numbers were almost identical uh, from 2015 to 2016. But as you mentioned, the power increased, and um, that is is what we're looking for. And I expect the power to increase again this season. Um, 22 home runs last year. 
Uh, I think he can reach 30. The question here, the, the other question here is with the steals, he stole 17 bags last year. I expect that number to increase as well because I fully expect at some point we're going to see uh, Polanco hit 280 and, and settle in that range, you know, for several seasons in a row. And if he can, he, he can reach that number this year. Um, his numbers across the board are going to, uh, to look much better power, um, steals and average. Of course, if he does that, the RBI and run totals are going to be much higher as well. So when I, when I was suggesting top 20 outfielder, would you, that, that would obviously give you top 20. Would you rank him closer to top 10 then? Or is he not quite there yet? Um, I wouldn't go that far yet because there's a lot of really good outfielders. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, you uh, look at guys like, let's, let's start a name out like JD Martinez. I mean, He's a great power guy. He's consistent. Yeah. He's he's you know he's going to hit for for big time power. Carlos Gonzalez is another guy like that. I mean these guys have been doing it for years. Um, I'm not I'm not ready to put him in in those in that category yet. But um, you know even guys like I'm I'm I, I pulled up the fantasy pros rankings and I'm looking at like. Um, just, just the, the the consensus ranking here for outfielders, and like, I don't know that I would have Polanco ahead of a guy like Mark Trumbo, uh, just based on the fact that Trumbo is going to hit probably forty home runs, and and I don't, it was especially playing for the Orioles, and I, I don't see, um, I don't see Polanco pulling out those kind of numbers this year. Of course, he's not going to, you know, a guy like uh, Trumbo isn't isn't going going to steal many bases, but. That that isn't that isn't everything. I mean, you're not every player is not going to be a five tool guy, uh, or or even a speed power, a power speed guy. So um, I wouldn't put him close to top ten, but I think he's right in that top twenty range. Okay, would you rather have this season, just this season? Would you rather have Gregory Polanco or Andrew McCutcheon on your fantasy team? McCutcheon. Okay. All right. Well. We covered the outfield, which, like you said, probably one of the best ones in baseball. We're going to move on to the hot corner, and I don't know if we're even going to see him this year when I started reading this afternoon. It's getting real interesting now. I think he will, but it's really interesting. Jung Ho Kang, or Kong, um, got his third DUI in Korea, and um, is still awaiting his trials there and the rulings and all that. Um, in America, he'd be in jail for at least 10 days, if not five years. Years. Yeah, they don't know what they're going to do yet. It could be things. Uh, the Pirates don't even know what's going to happen. Have them route the 26th third baseman off the board if you want to roll those dice because the power numbers are legit if he uh, comes around. But uh, are you even willing to roll the dice on this guy? Are you guys hearing anything different in the Berg that we aren't hearing around here? No. Uh, his trial starts Wednesday for his third DUI. Um, and given the nature of how professional sports is these days, um, he's almost guaranteed to face a suspension, whether he gets convicted of it or not. Uh, the question is how long of a, a suspension he'll face. It might be a 30 day deal. Um, but I mean, we don't really know the, the, the good thing is that most drafts, most fantasy drafts, uh, aren't taken, haven't taken place yet. So if we get some clarity on Wednesday or you know, in the, in the next week on his situation, 
we should know a whole lot better. If he gets a 30-day suspension, obviously he's going to be worth a stash because he is Pittsburgh's best power hitter. He has yet to play um, – uh, uh, you know, most players don't play 162 games, but he's yet to play 150 games for them. And I mean, and you look at his numbers, he had 21 home runs last year in 103 games, 370 plate appearances, which is strong. Um, he would have been a 30 home run guy had he played even anything close to a full season. Um, so, I mean, they absolutely need his bat in the lineup, but I mean, if he, uh, he he's, has trouble with these, uh, these DUIs, um, he's not going to be helping them. Their backup, and who will likely start the season at third base is David Freeze. And I mean, while Freeze is a serviceable, um, you know, guy to, to fill in at third base, I mean, he doesn't really have much fantasy value and he's not going to, uh, to be a guy that you'd want to focus on outside of NL only leagues. Okay. That was be My next question is Freeze even worth the late pick just to have for those early months or say, say, say Kang's out for a couple months on a suspension, so not even worth it unless you know only. No, I mean just because he has a starting job, um, it doesn't necessarily equate to uh, to good numbers. I mean, last year he had f- he hit thirteen homers and four hundred and ninety two plate appearances, which I mean is is just it's okay. I mean it's basically quantity yeah. uh, on both sides. He just you know he had, he had a, almost five hundred plate appearances, but he he just doesn't do a whole lot. I mean he doesn't kill you. He's not a guy that's gonna. He's not a guy that's going to bat 220, but um, he doesn't steal bases. He has limited power. I mean, like I said, he he's an he. You could use him as a starting third baseman in NL only leagues, uh, but in mixed leagues, uh, I mean, he's not really a guy that I would. Um, I certainly wouldn't be targeting him, but I, I I would probably just leave him on the waiver wire. So King's a guy you would stash, hoping he'd come back in a month or two into the season. Um, and then would you plan on him being your starter for a guy you just had a temporary replacement, or would you just have him there to have? Well, just yeah, in case? It, it depends. It depends on, you know, um, it's one of those situations where you, if you were in a snake draft, you'd see how your team played out. I mean, you could be strong at the corners um, and still take him as a late round flyer. Uh, you know, and stash them on your bench because, I mean, injuries happen. I mean, if you drafted, say, Joey Votto in the second round and, you know, and had another fir- decent first baseman and that you slid in and then, you know, Votto's out for two months or something, well, Kong could slide right back into that corner infield spot. So, I mean, he's, it, it, it would just depend. But I would just if, – if the spot was right, at the, you take him as a late-round flyer – I have no problems uh, with that, you know, assuming that he's out like a month, which I would suspect he, he'll probably get a month suspension or so. Yeah, I totally agree. I just want to hear your perspective on that one. But, yeah, totally agree. Uh, we'll move to the second base position. Uh, Josh Harrison, uh, 283, 287 the previous year, 315 prior to that. So he's been productive getting on base, over 300 on base percentage the last three seasons. Uh 57 runs scored each of the last two years. Not much for power, uh, but he's been stealing minimal bases. Not much to offer when it comes to offense. Any like about Josh Harrison in Ohlone, or is he even worth the mixed league play? I think Josh Harrison's a good teammate. I think he is good for the locker room, but I really don't even have much to say about him. I mean, he's just he's just a guy that uh, that can hit for average. Otherwise, I mean, he doesn't really offer much of anything. He, he steals a few bases here and there, but he has no no power. 
Um, and you know, and, and he, he'll probably hit 280. I mean, it's just, he's, eh, he's whatever. <laughs> it's just, I don't, he's just, he doesn't really offer that much at all. Yeah. I was looking at him and I was like, yeah, we'll bring him up, but I'm just curious to see if he's even worth uh, anything. So we'll move on to the other Josh, the more talked about Josh on his side of the diamond this year. He is the big man playing first base. He's got his knee injury, which I'm first off, I want to know how long that's going to keep him out for. They're saying he'll be ready for the regular season, but as a power hitter, that's got to worry you a bit because this guy is supposed to be country strong, like big boy strong. Um, what are we looking for from Josh Bell this year? Well, it sounds like Bell is um, – he's, cur- he's currently out. His, his initial prognosis was to miss two to four weeks after he underwent a minor knee surgery. So um, I would suspect that once he gets back into the full swing of things, he'll be playing in spring training games by mid-March, and I, I don't see any reason why he won't be uh, ready to go for the start of the uh, – the start of the regular season. Uh, as far as um, as far as things go with the Pirates' first base situation, um, I wouldn't be all that shocked if Pittsburgh started the season um, <laughs> with John Jaso at first base again. Now, I don't know that to be a fact, but I know Clint Hurdle is a guy that likes his veterans and well that's fine in some situations john jay so is terrible he sucks he doesn't offer anything they should have never signed him because he just he doesn't do anything i mean i don't care if he can get on base at a 360 clip he has no power and you need power from your first base spot i mean it's a premium power position so uh and that, that's enough on, on Jaso. He may not even start the season as a first baseman, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did, if they did do that. But uh, let's move on to Josh Bell because he is the future for, for the team. Now, you uh, you mentioned that he could be a big-time power guy. I think um, that he could be down the line. But right now, <clears throat> I view him as a – um, a guy that will be a doubles machine, really. I think he has good gap power. Um, he has a great walk rate. Um, he doesn't strike out that much, which, I mean, okay, so for instance, for the Pirates last year, he played in 45 games, 152 plate appearances, struck out 21, or struck out 19 times, walked 21 times. That's outstanding for yeah. outstanding for a player. Yeah, it's it's fantastic plate discipline, and I mean you see it all through the minor leagues. His uh, his strikeout numbers are are, I mean, very close to his walk numbers, and you know that's great. I mean, this is a guy that could post a on base percentage of four hundred in the in the major leagues. So, um, if we did a little player comparison, and the name I'm going to say is going to um, probably surprise some people, and Certainly, I don't think that's this will be the case this year, or maybe maybe not even for a couple of years. But um, if you look at Josh Bell and you want to compare him to a current major leaguer, I think Joey Votto could be a guy that he compares well to. Um, now Votto does hit for power, um, but his power, um, much like Bell's, um, was developed, much like Bell's should be was was somewhat developed. Now. Um, Votto came in as like a 20 home run guy. And then um, 
he peaked at 37 home runs his fourth year in the league. Well, third, well probably his third year in the league because his first season he didn't play much. But um, And then he kind of his, – his numbers kind of went down. So can Josh Bell be a consistent 25 or 30 home run guy? Um, it's quite possible. I mean, it, but I don't think it's going to happen initially. I think I think you could see Josh Bell be a Joey Votto type player without without quite as without the same amount of power. I think he'll have a little bit less power, but um, his plate discipline is real. And uh, and I think we could see uh, a guy that walks. You know, when he, he finally hits his prime, I think you could see a guy that walks a hundred and ten, hundred and fifteen times a year, and that would be. That would be fantastic news for a team that hasn't had a true first baseman, uh, as I mentioned earlier, since the Willie Stargell era. So, I mean, that's been, what, like 40 years or something? So, um, I have high hopes for Josh Bell, and, and I, I fully expect him to be ready for the regular season. How, how, how can you downplay Sid Bream? Uh, well, um, I'm sorry. I have to. I have to. Sorry. I, just have, yeah, I have to do it. All I can do is well, picture that joke, slide. Yeah, the, the joke doesn't hurt as much because, uh, the joke doesn't hurt as much now because, um, you know, the Pirates broke the 21 year losing streak and made the playoffs a couple times. So it's not quite as bad now. But if you would have said that like four years ago, I, I probably wouldn't have said you're a dick. So, <laughs> yeah, I probably wouldn't have said it. I probably wouldn't have said it either. But I, I, I was just thinking, I always yeah. just picture that slide going, oh my goodness. Yeah, so we'll move on. Guy in the league, but no, that, that's all right. Um, all right. Well, there's the offensive guys to kind of target, look at for the Pirates. We'll move on to the bullpen or to the rotation first before we go to the bullpen and we'll go to their ace uh the young gun Garrett Cole he had the tools in um but last year they weren't quite all clicking one might say um he came out there with a 3.88 ERA well off the 2.6 ERA in 2015 only 116 innings so he's beat up a little bit from his 208 innings in 2015 let's just bounce back everyone's high on him like normal like Everyone else is in spring training. Um, they said he made a few adjustments. Um, optimistic. But what are the realistic expectations for Garrett Cole this year? Well, Cole dealt with rib and elbow injuries last year, which limited limited him to only 116 innings pitched. Um, uh, if, if Pittsburgh, much like with Andrew McCutcheon, if uh, the Pirates want to compete this year, then – Cole has to pitch like an ace. And what we've seen from Cole, I mean, he was injured last year, but um, he's really only had one full season. He made 32 starts in 2015 and uh, was fourth in the Cy Young voting. Um, obviously made the All-Star game that year as well. Uh, but last year, um, he regret, regressed some, which I would attribute to um, to the injuries. Now, with that said, um he hasn't really put up ace like numbers. He's put up like number two starter like numbers, but not really ace like numbers. The question is at age 26, can he take the step forward? The team needs him to do that uh, if they want to compete. So um, we shall see if that ends up happening, but I will say this about Garrett Cole. I don't think he enjoys playing for the pirates whatsoever. I don't think he cares for the management. And I think as soon as he 
is eligible to come a free agent, which is 2020, uh, he'll be gone like the wind. I mean, it's just a, I don't think he's long for Pittsburgh at all. His agent is Scott Boris. So that, I mean, that says a lot as well. Um, this is me just being speculative, but I, uh, I fully believe that, um, if he could be playing for another team right now, um, and he had a choice in the matter, he would be uh, somewhere other than Pittsburgh. Last year, when he, I think it was last year, he tried to get an extension or something. They basically laughed at him and said, no, you'll take your, your yeah. minimum or whatever you're doing, and we'll walk away. We'll we'll talk about it when your, your contract's up. Yeah, yeah, and, which uh, – because exactly. I mean, that, that's that, that's exactly it. I mean, that's the – they don't <coughs> have a good track record of um, dealing with players um, – you know, the way they should be treated. And, and I just don't think Cole really cares to play for Pittsburgh. So yeah, who knows? We'll see. Now, is he a guy that you draft as a, as a fantasy one, or is he more a two for you? He's more of a two for me. I would look at him probably in the seventh or eighth round, the eighth, seventh or eighth round of snake drafts. Um, I, he has the upside to be uh, the ace of your staff, but I, think you're playing with fire if um if you completely agree if you if you draft him as your ace i I think you could be um in trouble as the season goes on i mean if if you're counting on him to uh to be your number one guy cole's always been a guy i've had trouble with if he falls to me in drafts i've had no problem grabbing him because he has that talent like you said but um I hear certain guys on radios and podcasts respect the guys, and I have no problem with their their analysis of it. It's just that are super high on them, and I just I can't take that leap that they have, that leap of faith. I just can't do it. But especially when I, I saw a good piece, I think it was on MLB Network. He's basically a two pitch pitcher for the most part. For the most part, I know he's got a third pitch, but for the most part, it's two pitches. And if his slider's flat, he's basically becomes a one pitch pitcher. And that was a big problem last year when he had the elbow injury. It was flattening out a slider a lot, and he was leaving his – basically became a fastball pitcher. And uh, his slider turned into about an 80 fastball. And so it, it's really dicey, really, really dicey. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm skeptical uh, of Cole. But um, if the Pirates want to compete, he has to pitch well. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the next guy, the big guy, the young gun that they are all proud of. He did last year, and he didn't really disappoint. He had a couple rocky starts, which you'd expect. He had a 5-4 and four record, which wasn't all his fault at all. 3-3 three, three ADRA, 104 innings pitched in the bigs. Um, did very, very well. Uh, 85 Ks. He had a 7.4 K per nine. Talking about Jamison Tyon. Over – powering most of his starts. He seemed to get a little better towards the end, I would say. My concern for him is, you know, that was the first time for a lot of teams. Now he's going to be seeing teams second and third times. They're going to kind of get a feel for him. We saw like with Kenta Maeda last year, the more teams saw him. We see it with all these pitchers. Um, they've talked about him for a while. He's got the pedigree. Do we see him? And everyone's talking about him in the business. Is this guy going to make that leap that's going to make the Pirates, that number two guy in the rotation, make it worth it? Well, he's he, if the Pirates want to compete, I mean, he's he's going to have to pitch well. 
Um, a lot of things are going to have to go right for the Pirates to compete this year. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but I mean, they uh, this th- this pitching staff, the starting rotation is is a bit suspect. I mean, without question. But as far as Tyon goes, I mean, this has been a long road traveled for Jamison Tyon. Um, he he started his professional career in West Virginia as a 19 year old, and things were rolling along quite well until uh, 2014. Uh, when he underwent Tommy John surgery, then he then he, he recovered from that, and then under underwent hernia surgery, and then missed the 2015 season. So then he came back uh, last year with Indianapolis and pitched 62 innings, 60 61 and two thirds innings, and posted a 204 ERA. So it's, it was clear he was ready. He, in fact, not only did he 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 uh, pitched you know posted 204 ERA, but he struck out 61 batters uh, in 61 two-thirds innings and only walked six. So his control was, uh, his control was impeccable. Okay. So then he got, he got moved up to the minors, but this is a guy that's only 25 years old. He's only 25 years old. And it feels like he's been on this path. I mean, for, for, for a guy like me, who's followed him since he was uh, drafted, um, it feels like he's been on this path to the majors forever, but he's still only 25. So, um, you know, if, if, if he can avoid the injuries, which he, he, he did last year, um, no question. He pitched, uh, he pitched 165, almost 166 innings last year total. So he's ready to make that jump into like the 180, 190 range. Um, so I see a guy that, uh, you know, that would probably be in like the 365 ERA range. Um, I don't think he's going to strike out a batter in inning, um, but I think he could strike out. You know, maybe like, uh, you know, maybe his K per nine would sit around like the eight eight point mark uh, with you know decent control. So that's that's really if he if he limits the walks, I think he can he can be a, a solid major league starter. But as I mentioned, <coughs> the Pirates want to compete. He's going to have to uh, have that breakout breakout season. I mean, because the rest of the rotation, uh, I'm quite skeptical about. Yeah, that's, the, that's one of my big things we'll get to later with them is the rest of the rotation. One more guy we'll talk about in the rotation as they re-sign, uh, Yvonne Nova. Had a track record with the Yankees that was not very good. Faded in the middle of the season to the Pirates, and he was outstanding. Five and two, three hundred six ERA, and sixty four and two thirds innings, eleven starts. He was really, really good. Uh, three complete games for crying out loud. Uh, he he was very, very good. Is this even sustainable from this from Nova, who didn't show signs of this at all, really, with the Yankees? No, I don't think it's sustainable whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, Ray Searidge is is a great pitching coach, and and he is he's well known uh, to have fixed guys like Francisco Liriano um, and and even Liriano we saw that he was traded last year to the Blue Jays I mean it didn't it didn't last forever I mean he, he had a couple of good seasons and you know I don't know he, he reverted back to his old ways and in, in, in you know in some ways so I mean Von Nova posted a 306 ERA for the Pirates last year he's he won't even post the ERA under four this year um, I would say it'll be in the you know the 420 to 450 range. I mean, he's going to eat up innings. I I would say, and he's probably going to have some really solid 
performances, but he's also going to have games where he gives up, you know, five runs in three innings and he gets yanked. So, um, you know, I, I'm not really sold on Nova. Um, I mean, he, I guess he deserves a rotation spot and he would probably have a rotation spot on, on many teams, but um, I, I just can't see him uh, even coming close to putting up the kind of numbers he did for Pittsburgh last season in 64 and two thirds innings. Yeah, no, he was uh, pitching out of his mind last year. It was crazy. I was waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it never did. It just kept going. It was pretty, pretty crazy. Round out that rotation right now. You have uh, you have Chad Cool and Tyler Glass now, the other youngster with Tyon going for now in the rotation. Um, anything to fantasy-wise with these two worth grabbing them or stashing them or just keeping an eye on them? Uh, cool is uh, okay um playing uh NL only leagues. He is he's a guy that I think will put up decent numbers, but nothing eye popping. I mean he's not gonna have big strikeout numbers, but I don't think he's gonna get you know, I don't think he's gonna get have a ERA over five either. I think he's a guy that could, you know, be a solid number four starter. Now Glassdown's a guy that has true ace potential. I mean I, I'm talking even higher than than the Pirates thought of Garrett Cole when he came into the league. Um, Glass now needs some refinement, uh, especially, the, but he, he he needs some refinement, but he can't really do much else at Triple A. Uh, so he's going to have to get those refinements made at the major league level. And I think that he uh, can do that, uh, but there's going to be bumps along the road. So Glass now is a guy that. I'm okay with uh, even even in mixed leagues being like your your, your fifth or sixth starter um, because the upside is immense. But you can't expect you, you can't expect big numbers. You can certainly hope for them, and you can um, you can even pray for them, but you can't expect big numbers out of him. Does now in the future? I think he's going to put up big numbers, ace-like numbers. But this season, um, your expectations should be tempered. Uh, but but I'm I'm a big Glass now fan. Yeah, he's he's been phenomenal in the minors. I've been waiting for him to come up for a while. Um, he's got the strikeout stuff. You look at his minor numbers; he's pretty much been an over 10K per nine guy everywhere he's been. Pretty much everywhere, a couple nines, but. If you look as it averages out, he's an 11.6 K per nine guy in the minors. Um, yeah, he's going to be ready to rock and roll. Like you said that there will be bumps in the roads. And the other thing with these young arms, even cool. And like you said, with um, Tyon, just watch the innings limits when you're taking these guys. Also, there will be those factors involved. In yeah, the fantasy game. definitely. Always something, keep in mind. <coughs> it's something to think about. <laughs> In redraft leagues and in dynasty leagues, and keep, oh, keep yeah. um, you know, obviously it's a little bit different, but in, in redraft leagues, you got to pay attention to those inning lim- innings limits. Let's head to the bullpen. You have a new closer in town because your former closer got traded to Washington in the middle of the season. Now he resides in my backyard. Going with the lefty, Tony Watson. Uh, his first full year as a closer, he stepped in, picked up 15 saves last year after Melanson left. He's always been pretty solid as a good lefty specialist type setup man. Uh, but last year he had a, a bump, a round of three ERA. Is he made for the closing duties? Um, 
I think he'll be okay. I mean, I, it's hard to say. Uh, you know, he was great as a lefty specialist, as you mentioned. I mean, he was <clears throat> he was a guy coming in to get left-handed batters out, and he performed very well in that role. But the closer's role is a little bit different because he's going to be facing majority uh, right-handed batters. I mean, the majority of major league or majority of hitters are right-handers, uh, so he's going to be facing a lot more righties, and um, you know, because of that, um, you know. I fully expect the ERA um, to be, you know, a, 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 a little bit higher than, than it had been. It may be something along the lines of last year. But, you know, if you look at his career numbers against righties, and this is this is his entire career, is a 217 average against against right-handers and a 204 average against against lefties. So it's not like there's, there's a huge gap uh, there, uh, but – you know, he he is a guy that uh, that's going to be put in that role, and you know, if he falters, um, they're going to have to look in another direction. Just to to uh, to throw names out there of guys that would be next in line: um, Daniel Hudson, um, Felipe Rivero, who the Pirates got for um Melanson last year and then Juan Nicasio is also an option but I I don't think that they'd use him in that role so you know Watson I like Watson more than Hudson or Rivero um and I fully expect the Pirates stick with Watson even if he has some troubles at the beginning of the season but based on his track record I mean I don't think he's going to have that many that many issues I think he I think he'll be a fine closer for the Pirates Okay. Yeah, no, he's like I said, when he's that lefty specialist, he's one of the best in the game. He was filthy. He's very, very good. It's just it's always been that thing is some guys just they can't do it. There's something about the ninth inning role and it's just a different animal. And he did well. He had fifteen saves last year. ERA was a little higher, but that just leverage situations. Um just to see how it goes. And like I I I I'm glad what you mentioned there about um potential guys to have kind of even if you have a holds league keep those other guys just in case they're there to fill in when he does flutter yeah so absolutely yeah, yeah the guy you got a stash guys like that yeah the guy you mentioned that they got from the nats that might be a really good one to pick up yeah i mean they, the the pirates thought enough about felipe rivero to give <coughs> to give mark melanson up for him uh but uh you know i uh you know, I, I think Watson's going to be the guy with Rivero, probably um, the next guy up if he if he fails. Cool. All right, last uh, last name we're going to go with here is the pretty much their top prospect for the most part that's not already pitching for them or playing for them is Austin Meadows, um, the guy basically that they're trying to trade McCutcheon so they can put him in the bigs. Um, he's a phenomenal prospect. He's mashing it all over the minors. Uh, what what are you expecting out of him? Because until they trade someone, there's no spot for him. But um, when, do you stash him now just in anticipation in a, in a, in a redraft league? Because in dynasties, obviously, this guy should be swooped up somewhere. Um, and then say he gets a shot, what are you expecting out of this kid? Well, he has a lot of work to do, first off. I mean, he made, <clears throat> he made the jump from uh, – Double A to Triple A last year, and he didn't do he didn't do so well. He only batted two fourteen uh, in 
145 plate appearances for the Indianapolis Indians. Um, so, I mean, he, he has, he, he has some work to do as, as a, um, as a 21 year old. I mean, this is, this is clearly, uh, I would assume the heir apparent to Andrew McCutcheon. I mean, it's been well known for years, so he's going to have big shoes to fill. And when he fills those shoes, he needs to be ready. Um, because if, comes out the gate and he stinks and and I'm talking initially if he stinks I mean that's not going to do much for his psyche uh in the sense that he is going to replace a guy that is a fan favorite and that uh, has been the the leader of the team for the last you know eight years practically and uh so he's going to start the season in triple A and he's going to um hone his craft and he's going to get better, hopefully get better. And, uh, and when the time comes for him to replace Andrew McCutcheon, which we all assume, um, hopefully he's going to be ready to do that, but, um, that's not going to happen. I don't, I don't expect to see Austin Meadows up until mid season. And that is only going to happen. If McCutcheon gets traded, if McCutcheon doesn't get traded, he could spend the full year in, in the minor leagues. I wouldn't. I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility. And that's not the worst thing. I'd rather have him, have him get every day at bats there instead of sit on the bench and pinch hit once in a while. Yeah, I mean he's only uh, he's he's 21 right now. He doesn't turn 22 until the beginning of May. So, I mean he he's only he's gonna you know he'll be 22 this year. So, um, I don't think a full season or close to a full season at AAA is gonna hurt him. I think it, no. I think you could do. I could. I think it could do do a lot for him uh, for his, for his future. Definitely. Are there, uh, are there any other pirates prospects that might have a fantasy impact this season to keep an eye on that we didn't talk about yet? Um, I couldn't see any on the list, but maybe, you know, um, as far as, uh, as far as an impact this season, um, no, I don't really see anybody. I mean, maybe uh, one guy that I'll throw out there and, <laughs> This is this is a long shot, but I at least have to give you something here. Is Nick Kingham? Um, he he's a guy that uh, has he's he's bubbled around the the minors. He's been a, he's been a top one hundred prospect before, but that was back in two thousand fourteen, two thousand fifteen. Um, <clears throat> he pitched in he pitched uh, last season. He only pitched in ten games but he was at three different levels, um, rookie league, high A and double A. And that, that's because he was, um, you know, com- coming back from injury. So um, if he can get, get it all together again, I mean, he's a guy that could, you could, you could see that make, would make a spot start here or there. Um, but he's not really a top prospect at this point. So, you know, I, I, I wanted to give you a name. He's a guy that could, you know, maybe be a stopgap or if, if somebody goes down with an injury, they may bring him up. And if he performs well, he could um, hold down a, a spot in the rotation for uh, a couple of turns. But as far as anyone else, um, it seems like most guys are uh, most of their top prospects are about a year or two away still from, from making an impact at the major league. Right. That brings us to the moment of truth. Season outlook for the Pirates um, seems like it's pretty dependent on that rotation, especially the top two. 
the early over under win loss total is eighty five and a half. Do you have the over or the under on the Pirates? Uh, the under. That's what I did in my write up earlier this year as well, and it's and my sole biggest reason was that pitching staff. Oh it's yeah, just absolutely way too way too dependent on that pitching staff. It's just crazy. Like um, I said, just like I said, if yeah. if the Pirates want to compete for a playoff spot, like McCutcheon has to bounce back, Cole has to pitch like an ace, and Tyon has to be a solid number two. If one of those three things doesn't happen, they have no chance. No chance of making the playoffs. Or, I mean, if all three of those things don't happen, they have no chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, I was about to say, they have to have all three things just to have a chance, and that's right. just to have a chance. It's just, it's, they're asking, it, it's just crazy. Like the, When we started out, the fact they didn't do anything this offseason is just mind-blowing. Um, but not surprising. Well, then who do you have? <laughs> no, not surprising. I understand. Like With the Giants, before they made their runs five, six, seven years ago, they did, they did this for many off-seasons as well. I understand. Um, who wins the NL Central? Oh, the Cubs, easily. Okay, I just want to make sure they'll have it wrapped up by the All Star break. Yeah that that was a that was a chip shot, but I I ask every <laughs> guest I have for I ask every guest for their divisional winner. That yours is oh, pretty. Yeah, yeah that, that, yeah, that's, so a, I, that's an yeah, easy. Yeah, one. If it was another division, it would probably be a little bit tougher. But, uh, that, yeah, one, that one's an easy one. Definitely. All right, baseball talk. Here's some quick hitters or so. Uh, some fantasy preferences. I kind of ask all my guests this because it's kind of interesting to get some uh, p- different guys' opinions that are that are uh, very knowledgeable in the uh, industry, um, especially for people kind of listening. They're new to the game. Um, do you prefer head-to-head versus the roto format? Roto format uh, because it's more traditional and it's more realistic. I mean, this is the fantasy baseball is a grind. Um, it's every day. It's a lot of waiver um scout it's a lot of scouting on your waiver wire it's a lot of um a lot of reading a lot of listening um and if you want to win you have to pay attention and you have to make moves and you have to um know what's going on all over the majors and you have to be ahead of the curve and ahead of the game and while head-to-head is fun to play with your friends and bragging rights or whatever. I, I don't really get into any of that, but Roto is the purest form of fantasy baseball. And um, uh, that's, I mean, I've long preferred it. Um, so yeah, I'm a Roto guy. That's that's the Twitter name. Ask Roto Baseball. Yep. No, I'm with you. I had to ask you, but I, I, once I saw your name, it made a lot more sense. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I, uh, I, I, when I first started out, it was head to head, and it makes sense because all like the newbies with baseball is because you always play football, and that's the football format. Right. So right. You play head to head. The second I found out about road, uh, rotisserie, I was like, why have we not played this? Because this makes the most sense because there's so many ups and downs about baseball, but it gives you the most realistic evaluation of how your team did for the entire season. This is what Roto is. And yeah, it's great. Snake versus auction draft. Um, I mean, I like both formats. Actually, it depends. Um, I, I mean, I don't like to give non-answers, so I'll say, um, I guess I prefer the snake because um, it's more popular. But the auction, I love. I mean, I like to do a couple auctions a year. You know, it, the thing with an auction is it takes a while and. Um, depending on who you get into an auction draft with, it can get out of hand quickly. 
And, you know, if you're playing with a bunch of pros, it's not as bad because, but if you get with guys and and it's not to knock anybody, but if you get with like amateurs, you see these prices go up so crazy or it's just like, Oh man. So uh, with the snake draft, it's a little bit more even, uh, even though um, the auction draft is, you know, is I'd say the auction draft is a bit more uh, strategic, but um, you know, I like both, but I, I, I guess give me a snake draft. Yeah, I finally dipped my toe in the auction draft pool last year for the first time, and I loved it. But uh, it's been snake for me forever, and that's I'm not in an auction draft yet this year. Trying to convince some friends to dip their toe in it, and because they're scared, they're worried about it. And I get it; it's intimidating at first, but uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, definitely. But um, full roster league, like both AL and NL, or do you prefer AL only, NL only? Well, my favorite league is a mixed, uh, like a 12-team or 15-team mixed Roto League, um, just because, you know, that's pretty traditional. But I do like AL and NL only leagues. In fact, I always do. I I usually run, like, for Twitter followers and people, you know, that that I know and stuff, usually run, like, three. And if you're listening to this, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, if you're looking for a league, um, you can hit me up on Twitter at AskRotoBaseball. if you're looking for a league, I usually run a mixed roto league and then an, like an AL only uh, snake draft roto scoring and then an NL only um, auction draft with roto scoring. Um, so, you know, I, I prefer, you know, the mixed league. It's my, it would be my favorite, but I play in all three. So, um, and I enjoy the, um, the depth of the AL and NL only leagues. Yes, I, I've never tried those, so I might actually hit you up for one of those. We'll talk later. Yeah, um, sure. I've always I've always been debating them, but um, the last one on the the preferences, one or two catcher leagues, because those are starting to become more and more popular. Uh, always two catcher. It's I've always, always. played that way, um, and catcher is like <laughs> I don't think it's ever been as weak as it is right now, but. Even still, eh, I'd still go with two catcher league just because I've always played that way. Okay. Um, now with uh, spring training, if you get like a, a paper cut, they're going to sit you out for like three days. So you're seeing guys with cramps, and some injuries are worse than others, but we really don't know how bad they are because it's spring training. So like Scherzer's got his finger injury, and it's a couple weeks, and Beltre's got his calf, and so on and so forth. How concerned do you get with these injuries and when do you finally get concerned enough to make it affect your draft? Well, I try to make sure uh, most of the leagues I do don't draft before like a week out. So um, the uh, if it's a, something like Beltre's calf injury uh, or Scherzer, as you mentioned, I don't really hold too much stock in it right now because I don't have any draft schedule. I mean, I... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know people get the urge to draft and it, there's always time issues, you know, getting 12 guys together at the same time because everybody's busy. <clears throat> so you might have to do it in late February or early March, but I like the draft uh, deep in the spring training. In fact, my home league that I've been in for well over a decade, we usually draft the, the, the first day of the season, the, the, su- the first Sunday um, they usually the season usually starts on a Sunday, at least with a couple games or one game on you know at night. Um, we usually draft that day. I mean, the latest possible time you can draft. So the injuries don't really scare me um, unless it's something you know like Alex Reyes, uh, as he blew his elbow out and he underwent Tommy John surgery last week. But 
guess what? Even something like that, I mean, he's out for the, we already know he's out for the season. So, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really, you know, if you drafted him the week before, then you say, why do we draft so early? <laughs> but yeah. um, as far as the injuries, as far as minor injuries go, I don't really, I don't really, I don't want to say I don't pay attention to it, but I don't really put a lot of stock into it just because we have a long way to go. We have six, you know, roughly six weeks before the start of the season. So, um, don't, I don't really care all that much about the minor nagging injuries. So the moral of the story is people don't draft early. Cause I'm, yeah, I'm the same I, way. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the same way. I wait till towards as close to the start of the season as possible. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it, it's just, you can't predict injuries, but you know, you can at least, you know, the thing is, I mean, if you draft, no matter when you draft, everybody's on a, an equal playing field. So it's not really that, but it's just like, it yeah. would suck if you, you know, you drafted a guy like to be your ace or something. Say you drafted like um, Clayton Kershaw, just for an example, and you use him in the first round, and then he then he blew his elbow out or something, or it, it tore his shoulder or something, and then he's out for four or five months. You know, well that sucks. <laughs> your your seasons, you're basically screwed. So um, you know, wait until that last possible day or last you know week of the spring training is is you know, the best course of action as far as my point of view, but everybody's different. So most definitely. All right. A couple more things. Let's go over a couple breakout players and a couple bust players you're looking forward to in fantasy baseball this year. Uh, Kick it off with some of the breakout guys you are looking at. uh, I have a couple, I have a couple here. Um, One is Carlos uh, Rodon from, the White Sox. I've I've always kind of been a fan of his, um, but I I like him because of because of his strikeout potential. I mean he's he he had a four hundred four ERA last year, which isn't you know it's it's whatever. And he's oh he hasn't he hasn't done uh, he hasn't had a great whip. His whip was like one thirty nine last year, but the strikeouts uh, his strikeout numbers. I feel like this is a guy just waiting for for a breakout, and um, he's going to be relatively cheap. I mean, I don't think um, people will be busting down the door to draft him, but I think he makes for a solid, you know, uh, mid round, late round flyer um, based on some rankings I see. He's right around the fifty. 50 over top it's like number 50 between like 45 and and like 52 uh of ranked starting pitchers um but uh, but i like him a little bit more than that and uh the strikeout potential alone if he can get those walks in check i think he can have a pretty solid see i don't expect a lot of wins out of him because the white Sox aren't going to be good but um i think his his numbers he could approach uh, if he throws 180 innings or more i think we're looking at 200 strikeouts which there's always, no, no matter what else he does, if you throw 200 strikeouts in a season, um, th- there's plenty of value there. Another guy I like is David Dahl from the uh, the Rockies, mostly because he's playing in Coors Field. Um, that, that increases anybody's overall numbers. And he's a young guy, but I still like him. I mean, you gotta you got to think. Um, some of these guys, he, he batted 315. In 63 games for the Rockies, he's going to be starting for them. Um, 
you know, he could hit 25 home runs this year just for the fact that he's playing in Coors Field, maybe even more. So I like him as well, though he, he could get overdrafted just because of the hype in his home field. Um, but, uh, you know, I I don't like to get too crazy on breakout guys, but those are the two that one hitter, one pitcher that I had uh, had for you. Yeah, I really like Dahl. I had him circle as a potential guy to look at. Um, I have a, I have a, quite a few, so I'll just pick a couple because – I just I just got crazy when I was looking at him. Uh, one that I really like, and he had a good year last year, a really good year last year, so I guess he might not categorize him as a breakout, but based on where he's getting drafted, he's currently currently ADP-wise, he's the 19th third baseman of going out, 163 overall, is Jake Lamb in uh, Arizona. I know he had 29 homers and 91 RBIs last year, about at 249. I think that average is just going to go up. Um at a crowded third base position, if you don't get one of the top guys, he's a guy that you could sit at the position and go draft elsewhere. Basically, is what I'm trying to tell you here, is you don't have to go chasing third base. You can wait and get a guy like Lamb later who's going to produce great power numbers for you. He's going to get you runs, RBIs, homers, get you three, at least three of the stat categories. And if his average goes up, he can get you four of the five roto categories while you can go build elsewhere much later in your draft is what I'm looking for there. And um, I think the sky's the limit for this kid, especially if a, a healthy A.J. Pollock comes back and a healthy David Peralta in that lineup. Very good things to come in Arizona. Um, another guy I had, I didn't go another pitcher, but I went another outfielder. And I've been waiting for this kid to figure it out, and I think this might be his year finally. He showed great signs, especially in the second half last year. Uh, Byron Buxton of the Twins. I know he only hit 225 last year, but that speed, it kills. And if he can just keep showing you what he showed you in the minors and in the second half of last season, getting on base, um, and that power keeps developing like it is, he's going to steal a ton of bases. And you can get him really, really late in your drafts right now. He's 45th outfielder off the board. I guess only 171. Um, Decent look there. There's some other guys I'll get into at a later date and time, but we'll go with uh, Lamb and Buxton for now as some breakout guys. Yeah, what Buxton. Uh, I just want to touch yeah, on Buxton, Buxton real quick. He, I mean, he he was the number one, top, the top prospect, a consensus top prospect about two years ago. So, um, seems like it's just a matter of time. I mean, unless he just turns out to be a total flop, but I've seen signs from him, and uh, and I think that I like that call. I think uh, I think that Buxton is going to end up being a, a a pretty solid major league player. Um, September really really getting close to putting it together. I'm hoping it wasn't just one of those September when everybody's playing their college things that I was hoping, hoping it's more of a, he's slowly figuring it out thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. What do you mean? Over, overvalued or bus players. Um, the first one I want to talk about is um, Gene Segura. Um, he got, <laughs> he got traded. That's my number one. Yeah. I mean, he put up, <laughs> he batted 319 last year, um, 20 homers, Led the league in hits with 203. Uh, let's see. Stole 33 bags. I mean, I, I think the steals are for real, but the power is going to drop from Arizona to Milwaukee's a hitter's park, and he didn't really – he never hit for power there. Uh, Arizona's a little bit 
better hitter spark than not as much as people think. And he hit 20 last year. There's no way he's going to hit 20 home runs again, especially playing in Seattle. And I see a big time batting average dip. I mean, he, he should still be a pretty solid player, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm not really too sold um, on uh, Gene Segura uh, as a, um, you know, top certainly not a top second baseman. I just don't think the repeat's going to be there for him this year. Yeah, people are people are still pretty high on him, and I can't. Figure, I, I'm a thousand percent on board with everything you just said. That's been my breakdown on uh, on my second base rankings, my shortstop rankings. He's still people have him in their top ten. Some have him almost almost top five at second base. I do not see it at all. Um, but more power to him if they want to take that pick. I will gladly watch him do it. But uh, yeah, um, do you have another one? Well. I mean, I, I mean, I do have some some guys. A guy I don't really like like uh, this year is is Matt Harvey. But it, we're talking overvalued, and he's you know I'm I'm just not a Matt Harvey guy. I don't think he's not going to be overvalued uh, because he's been injured and he's had he's had issues injury issues. He's not going to be an overvalued guy, but he's just not a guy I'd be looking to target. I'm just I'm just not really a Matt Harvey guy. Um, uh, let's see here. Looking at the list of starting pitchers, um, Rich Hill. Uh, I know people were high on him, um, but man, he's a, he's he's been an injured guy, a guy that's been injured <laughs> basically his whole career, and he's also uh, thirty six years old. Or he's going to be thirty seven years old at the start of the season. He has the same birthday as me, actually, March 11th. So <laughs> I didn't know that until just now. But, yeah, I mean, is he going to stay? He's he's being ranked, I see, a lot of places as a top 25 starter. Is he going to stay healthy enough to be a top 25 starter? I don't think so. I mean, he hasn't yeah, ever proven it. Yeah, he's never shown that he could he could stay healthy that long. So, um well, if he stay, well, he's on the field, I mean, he maybe he will. I mean, he pitched great last year, 20 starts. 212 ERA had 129 strikeouts and 110 and a third innings. Phenomenal numbers, especially for a guy that was 36 years old. And I mean, you know, I, I think age is a little overvalued, but let's be real 37. That's, that's old in baseball terms. So yeah. old in baseball years. So, um, eh, I'll, I'll pass on Rich Hill. I think he's being a bit overvalued based on, uh, you know, his age and, uh, his, uh, the fact that he's been injury prone throughout his career. Yeah, definitely. I uh, can totally agree with that one. Um, one would be for me, Gene Segura was my favorite one. That that just takes the cake. Uh, one to keep an eye on is Evan Gaddis at catcher. He's uh, the sixth catcher going off the board. People need to realize they brought Brian McCann in to split time with him, and everyone goes, okay, he can DH. Well, they brought Carlos Beltran into DH. So um, unless he's going to play first, but there's also a log jam there potentially. Um, there's a lot of log jams for Gaddis at the moment. So really, really pay attention to um, – he put up great numbers last year, 32 bombs, 72 RBIs. He's giving you what you want. Definitely make sure the playing time's there because obviously those numbers won't be there for the value or for the draft pick you're taking him at. Um, the other one, it's a kid I love. I love Gary Sanchez, but – if you're expecting him to duplicate what he did last year, people, you're you're smoking something that you need to patch around somewhere else because um, those numbers are crazy. He hasn't done anything like that in the minors, and um, 
if you watch how uh, professional pitchers approach youngsters, they start pitching ungodly breaking stuff. If you've seen Bull Durham, and um, after they after they see that you can hit a fastball, they'll start pitching ungodly breaking stuff. If once he proves he can hit that, then I'll believe it a little more. But uh, let's see that first, and because um, he's he's basically on pace to hit like seventy home runs right now a season. So let's 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 temper it back a little bit. That crazy, but he's going to be good. Don't get me wrong; he's going to be good. But they also have him batting second in the order, not the most run-producing spot in the order. So think about that. Yeah, I want to chime in here on Gary Sanchez. I agree with what you said. What you just said about Gary Sanchez. I mean, I, I'm looking at some rankings here on Fantasy Pros. <laughs> Rank is the number two catcher. I mean, holy cow, catcher yep. sucks ass this year. I mean, it's terrible and. So, I mean, that's another reason why Gary Sanchez is going to be overdrafted. Um, and that's fine. Let somebody else overdraft him. I'll probably end up with Tyler Flowers and Jason Castro as my uh, catcher pairing in two catcher leagues. And, you know, I'll probably be okay with that because, the, you know, unless you take a take Buster Posey in the second or third round, um, you know, we're looking at – I mean, the, the catchers is – awful I, I don't think i've ever seen it this bad so i mean yeah, i'm probably not going to be wasting picks on on guys that you know a guy like russell martin uh, he's going to hit 230 and, and maybe hit you know 16 home runs yeah i don't think so i'll i'll pass you know because there's no 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 reason to waste a pick on a guy like that you know a, a middle round pick when you can just wait and get get a couple of scrubs at the end of the draft yeah catcher catcher is really really bad and um uh, there's not a lot of average to like there outside of Posey, maybe some Lucroy. Um, it, it's it's bad, like you said. It's just mm-hmm. not, nothing to like there. People drafting early. I've never been a draft catcher early guy for the most part, and it's really hard to justify it this year. Okay, catcher is usually a, 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 a bad position, but it's 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 exceptionally bad this season. I mean, goodness gracious, it's just it's awful. So, <laughs> whatever your strategy is, I. I I'm I'm just yeah. I don't know I'm probably just going to punt the position uh, completely. So well, up uh, anything else you'd like to discuss this evening? I think we're good tonight. Uh, we got a lot of pirates talk in and a solid twenty or so minutes on uh, general fantasy things. So um, yeah. I'm happy. Yeah, maybe I'll if if our schedules work out, I'll have you on again before the season starts. Well, let's do a strictly fantasy one to get everybody uh everybody yeah. geared up for their I'd, or something. I'd, I'd be uh I'd be definitely happy to uh, to come on again and do that with you. Awesome! I appreciate you joining me, everybody. This was David Kerr. You can check him out on Twitter. Ask Roto Baseball. Um, remember, he said he has three fantasy leagues: mixed league, AL only, a snake draft, and then an NL only auction league you can mm-hmm. check out his work on fantasy alarm and he'll have some other stuff coming out he was talking about down the line here uh, thanks for joining man i appreciate it that was a lot of fun a lot of fun yeah thanks a lot i i had a great time um and, and, and hopefully i'll talk to you soon everybody this was a uh, bench with bubba episode 21 pirates talk fantasy baseball there'll be more to come down the road thanks for listening we'll catch you guys next time